Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions about our church or following Jesus, feel free to reach out to us at info at theplantchurch.org. Now, here's today's message. Happy Mother's Day, 15th time today. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. All the ladies, stand up. We're going to do this right. If you, anyone who's a woman, girl, tw- teenager, stand up, and let's give a big standing ovation, men, to the women here. Whether you are a mother, a grandmother, you can sit down. <laughs> Whether you are a mother, a grandmother, an aunt, and mentor, a sister, a sister-in-law, a youth leader, you have played an important role in someone else's life. So thank you. Thank you. I know for our kids, I probably said this last year, but I'll say it again. Sometimes the other people, right, can speak louder into their lives than you as parents can. So thank you for that. So once again, thank you. This morning, it is good to be here actually, but we are going to continue our series on plugged in. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When I sit in the front row over there, I literally cannot see by the end of the service because it's blinding me, this light, and it's doing it right now. So I'm going to like move it back a little bit because that's all I need is to like not be able to see. But specifically this morning, we are going to look at faith. Um, You all got these adorable bracelets. As women, they are awesome. Um, I hope that you wear it, and it's a reminder for this morning of how we are going to learn about a very, very special character in the Bible. So today, the definition of faith, I want to go through it with you. In the Webster's Dictionary, it says, faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Allegiance to a duty or a person. A firm belief in something for which there is no proof. And the last bullet that says, it says, belief and trust in and loyalty to God. Now I'm going to read you some definitions of faith from the community of Mawa. Being able to work in the community, you get a lot of people who don't really understand what faith is. So when I asked some of my colleagues, I kept it to adults because I was a little concerned about asking middle schoolers what faith meant to them. To be very honest with you, I toyed with it. But um, the first one is a a young lady, 28-year-old. She said, wow, this is challenging. I'd say faith is believing and trusting that God has the ability to protect, to serve, and to love those who believe in him and the ones they love. The next one is a 54-year-old female. Faith in me is knowing whatever happens in life is for your highest good, even if you don't realize it at the time. Faith allows you to not stress about things, even in the most difficult times, because all is happening in perfect order, even if we don't understand why. I have to remind myself to go there, to center my things, myself when things get tough. And the last one was from a 48-year-old female as well. Faith is believing that the Lord is being faithful and is distributing accordingly. We all end up even in the end. I tell my kids that always. It's a balance sheet. Each one of these women, when I approach them on this, it it is kind of funny to hear what faith means to people, um, all said that it was very challenging. It was a personal thing, and they didn't really ever talk about it. They never talked about what their faith meant to them. This morning, we are going to look at what the Word of God says. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for the reminder this morning of all the women in our life. I thank you for the privilege it has been to be a mom, to be a Mimi, 
to be a woman, to mentor into other children's lives. I ask you if for each woman in this room right now and the ones online, that you will continue to, to burden in us for the next generation and generation. And it's your precious name we pray. Amen. Will you open with me to Mark 5? We're going to continue our series of Plugged In in Mark 5, verse 5. Uh, Mark, sorry, chapter 5, verse 25 through 34. And I'm going to read it. It will be on the screen, but I'm going to read it as well. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal for many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How could you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. The story brings us to Capernaum. Jesus had just been, um, it's near the Sea of Galilee. Jesus had just been on the boat. He gets off the boat, and he is attracting this crowd, and everyone's kind of following him. And, and you can imagine the scene, right? I can just imagine, like, the heat. It's hot. There's people everywhere, bodies touching, rubbing. And he's met by this man right before we get into this um, verse, Jairus. Jairus' daughter is dying. She is on her deathbed. This man ends up on the ground pleading with Jesus, come to my home. My daughter is dying. She needs you. So Jesus, what he always does, starts walking toward Jairus' home, following this desperate man for healing for his daughter. And he's following and following. And this is during this time, and it's suffocating, right? You can imagine all the people around, and everyone wants to see what's going on. Probably when, when Jairus was on his knees, people are like looking, and they're on each other's shoulders. You can just see the whole thing. And it's during this moment that we meet this woman. Um, we're going to call her this morning for purposes of Mother's Day, our girl. We're just going to call her our girl, because I, I kind of think that's cute. But this woman, our girl, is in desperate need of healing. She has a, a terrible illness, is what, what it talks about in Scripture. Now, how appropriate on Mother's Day that I get to speak on this terrible illness of constant bleeding for 12 years. I mean, like, I'm going to be honest with you. When Rob said, this is your passage, I'm like, of course it is. Like, of course you'd have a woman speak on that. What man wants to touch this, right? But I will tell you that I could feel how terrible this was for this woman. I mean... Ladies, right? Can I get like a jersey, uh-huh, we talk about 12 years, not every 28 days, not 70, 12 constant years. And we know what our bodies feel like during that time. So this is a 12-year process of, I'm going to just go out there and say it's hell, right? It is 12 years of this constant, terrible feeling in her body. And besides this awfulness of it, right, we can all kind of talk through that, we have to kind of process through well, why? 
right? That my nurse brain goes, why does she have cancer? Right? Endometrial, ovarian, let's, let's name them all. Is she in perimenopause? Does she have polyps? Does she have fibroids? Is she anemic? The poor woman must have had like no strength in her body for bleeding for 12 years straight. There's all these things that kind of keep going through my mind. And her journey of healing took her, it tells us in scripture, took her to every doctor, whether credible or not, right? She tried it all, holistic, natural, functional, you name it. She probably did essential oils. She did everything to try to find healing. It tells us that she was broke from all the different people that she went to visit to try to get healing. So my question is, have you ever felt like that? Maybe you haven't had an illness um, or bleeding for 12 years, but have you ever had something, whether it's emotional or physical, that has defined you? Where it's hindered you, zapped you of your strength, a habit, an addiction, something that's damaged your life, it's damaged your family, it's damaged you as just a person, you're not the same, where you felt powerless. I mean, think about all the things that you've gone through in your years of, of living. This was our girl. This had zapped her physically of strength and emotionally. So in this moment, she had nothing else. She crept behind in the crowds. You can just feel it, crept in the crowds, trying to get close to this man, to Jesus. And all she wanted to do was touch like the hem of his robe. She wasn't even looking to talk to him. She just wanted to touch the hem of his robe to just see, right? It's all she had left. She wanted to just see what would happen. That desperation. Can, can you feel it, right? That desperation, that, that last hope. She just wanted to touch the little piece on his robe. And we see in verse 29, it will be up on the screen exactly this. Immediately, I love it, I love it. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. She immediately felt it. Wasn't partly, wasn't a couple more days. Immediately felt that she had had healing and that her strength was back. Right? Even the, the other side effects, the anemia, the, the other, immediately she felt healing. Her strength was back. Kind of gives you chills, right, when you think about it? This morning we're going to look at five different powerful truths that our girl is going to teach us. The first one is faith requires risk. So if we look at the Old Testament, bleeding was an unclean act. Anything whether it was a monthly cycle or it was 12 years. Every time I say 12 years, I just like cringe. Or if it was 12 years, you were considered unclean. Any chair this woman sat on, unclean. Anything she touched, unclean. If she laid in a bed, unclean, totally. And if you were with a woman and happened to touch her when she was bleeding, you were unclean. And in order to get clean, you had to do this like ceremonial washing of your body and your clothes, and then you'd be considered clean like in the evening. So this was like a big deal. You can imagine um, the, the social stigma around this, right? And I read this really cool, interesting fact. This is so cool. It says, every month as women, we lose a part of our body, right? The shedding of our uterus, the lining of our uterus. Sorry, men, if this is too much, but this is a natural body thing that happens um, for the ultimate purpose, right, of life, 
The reason women have menstrual cycles is for ultimately to carry child. When the lining sheds, no baby this month, that's kind of how it is. But bloodshed in battle by men, taking a life was honored. Right? Chew on that. When we look back in scripture, it's when battles were won and lives were taken, that's an honored thing. And in Jewish culture, women simply having a body that works every month made them an outcast, made them unclean. Everything and every, anything a woman touched was unclean. She couldn't go to handle food. She couldn't handle money. She couldn't um, go to synagogue. She couldn't go to community group. She couldn't be in a small group. There was nothing she could do. She had to avoid crowds. She couldn't even publicly be seen in a crowd. So this is why our girl was a risk taker. Because she went out, not just in any crowd. She went in a crowd that was like bumper to bumper. She was with, there were people everywhere following Jesus. She was unclean and unsafe in the world's eyes. And this was a crime punishable by law. Like she could have been literally arrested. I'm not even sure what would happen. But she couldn't openly go up to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm bleeding. Can you heal me? I, I want to touch you to heal. No, she couldn't do that. That's why she secretly had to crawl on the ground, had to touch, try to touch the hem of his robe because she had no other option. She had no other option but to secretly try to access this healing. She risked everything. She risked her reputation. She risked everything as life as she knew it. But she had nothing else to hold on to. This was her last hope. She persisted and was willing to risk it all. The second point I want to touch on today is true faith halts God's attention. Have you ever wondered, like the disciples, like, how do you know this woman touched you? Like, seriously, like, let's be honest, right? There are so many people. Like, how did he know that this woman touched him? And when Jesus said in verse 30, who touched me? The disciples were probably like, Jesus, come on. Everyone's touching you. Everyone's trying to get a piece of you. It was probably someone, but it was different, right? The word touch comes from the root word hapto. Hapto means to fasten or to cling to. When Jesus said, who touched me, he wasn't referring to the bumps and the people kind of touching his robe along the way. He was referring to who clung to me with like unwavering faith, with nothing else, with that desperation. Like, like he knew, right? He knew. He felt that. This woman was desperate. It was her last opportunity for healing. She was done with the life she was living. You can imagine the thoughts going through her mind. I can't do this anymore. This is too hard. I'm, I'm so isolated. I, I want so much. But that authentic faith connected her with Jesus in an intimate, intimate way. Our third point is God's attention to your faith is not divided. This passage shows us that God gives us his full attention. He's never multitasking. Now, if you ask me, I am a good multitasker. I probably think I'm better than the average person. Um, I will be honest with you. I can do multiple things at once. But if I had to be very honest with you this morning, if someone's telling me something important and I'm doing two other things, something is going to give, 
right? Something will give. Maybe I didn't hear, or I might have to say, wait, can you repeat that? Or whatever I'm doing gets distracted. But that wasn't the case with Jesus. Jesus was able to give his full, undivided attention to this woman. Our girl's faith grabbed this attention. In verse 33, it'll be on the screen, it says, the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. After our girl identified herself to Jesus, he zoned in on her. Now, as women, come on, we love when men zone in on us, right? I mean, there is nothing better when I am talking to my husband and he just looks at me, full detention, and he's not walking in the other room and I'm chasing around him trying to tell him something. Doesn't happen a lot, but when it does happen, um, it's not always pleasant. Um, but he listened intently to her. Like, he gave that undivided attention where he zoned in on her eyes. You know, can you, can you see it? Where he was just really giving her everything she needed at that moment. He listened as she described the last 12 years. We don't know how long she talked. We don't know how long the interaction was. It doesn't tell us in Scripture, but I, I don't think it matters. All we know is that as she spoke and said, I I'm disgraced. It's been horrible 12 years. I feel awful. I'm lonely. I have nothing. I, all I can see is just him staring. And people are all around. And the man whose daughter's dying's looking back saying, and there's all this. And he is just zoning in on her, undivided attention, staring at her and listening to her. You can, you can feel it. You can see probably in her eyes just the, the pain as she's describing this last 12 years. And despite everything going around, it seemed like nothing else mattered to Jesus, right? All the confusion, nothing else mattered. He stared at her. He listened. He was fully present. But we have to keep in mind that this is not to say that he didn't care about Jairus' dying daughter. No, this is exactly opposite. I read something that was so neat. It said these stories weave together so perfectly. Okay, when you look at it, both here, we have the woman who is constantly bleeding. She was considered unclean. Then we have Jairus' daughter, who now has died. In this whole thing, on his way to go to the house, this, this young girl has died. Both unclean in the world's eyes, right? They're unclean. Both had 12 attached to them. The young girl was 12 years old, and this woman bled for 12 years. Here we go again, right? Both unnamed, they don't have names. They're known as the dying daughter and the bleeding woman. Insignificant female characters in the world standards. Pretty cool, right? Isn't that so cool how scripture kind of weaves all that together? But Jesus referred to both of these women as his daughters. The bleeding woman, daughter, your faith has healed you. Jairus' daughter, He'll eventually say, daughter, you're healed. Both of these women are referred to in this intimate way, right? Now, I'm going to be very honest with you. The word daughter to me growing up was a very hard word. I had a mother, of course, but my father died when I was a baby, and I never had a father. So when I think of daughter, I always think like a father-daughter relationship. And I didn't have that, and it was extremely painful. So I remember on a retreat, because retreats are like the place that kids have just these 
opportunities to really grow with Jesus. And I will shout out to everybody who has kids in youth group. Retreats are the place it happens. They're away from everybody, they're friends, but that's a plug for youth group at another time. But I saw it happen first time in my life and my children's life. And when I was on this retreat, my, one of my youth leaders said something. He was giving a talk and he said something like, you know, you are a daughter of the Most High, a daughter of the King. And I just remember weeping knowing that Wait, I, I, ha I am a daughter. I am a daughter of Jesus Christ. What a powerful thing to, to grasp onto as a young woman myself at that age, probably 12 or 13 years old. But this morning, we get to see, right, that Jesus referred to daughter, to both of them, fully present for both young women or women. The fourth thing I want to hit upon this morning is God works within perfect faith. Our girl had faith. We see that, right? She knew. She knew. She had faith. But her faith was kind of like imperfect. There were some superstitious things in there. And we read that in scripture when she said, if I just touch the hem of his robe, we see this story in, um, in all the gospels. And in each one, it has a little different flavor. But in Mark, it says, if I just touch the hem, what it's referring to or what she was believing was um, Jewish men would have these robes with four blue tassels on the corner. And all she wanted to do, and it was believed that if you wore those tassels, you were like super holy, and, and you, it was a reminder of how holy you were and, and like how you had this intimacy with God. And all that she wanted to do was just, just touch the tassel, right? Just going to touch a piece of the tassel. Maybe she thought if I pull a piece of the tassel off and have it. But notice in verse 34, Jesus' response. Daughter, once again, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, your suffering's over. By stating this, Jesus is telling her, he's addressing the superstition, right, of touching, maybe if, she, if I touch the, the tassel. No, 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 he's saying, no, 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 your faith has healed you. There's no power in my clothes. This blue little thing here, la, 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 no power. Like, I can just see that feeling. This doesn't matter. It's your faith that has healed you. And it was through her faith that she was healed, and that's what we see. Jesus knew that her faith was not perfect. He knew what she was doing. He knew that she was going to try and touch the, the hem of his robe, but it didn't matter. He met her where she was at. Isn't that awesome, right? Because our faith is not always perfect. It's not. There are times that we think, maybe if I do this, God will bless me, or maybe if I go to church more, or if I send my kid to youth group, or if I do this, or if I do that, or maybe if I wake up an hour earlier and have devotions, then um, God will bless me. We all have that kind of superstitious, warped thinking of what faith is. But God, the nature of God, it shows us, right? It doesn't matter what you do or don't do. You just need to come to me with your authentic faith. Authentic faith. It might be imperfect, but Jesus values the authenticity of our faith. When we come to him humbly, in surrenderance, in desperation... And our fifth point this morning is when Jesus heals, it is complete. Faith is a spiritual discipline that permeates every aspect of heart life. Our girl was experiencing anguish in every aspect of her life. There was such a social stigma with bleeding that she was unable to enjoy relationships, whether it was with friends, just kind of hanging out with friends, or any romantic relationship. There was no way any man would be going near her at all. So she had this like 
stigma. I mean, you can just feel it, right? It reminds me of like the middle school playground. That's all I'm gonna say. Where like, there's like the cool girls over here and there's like the girls who are playing like jump rope there. You know like that in middle school where there's like that little awkwardness where there's like some girls who act like they're 16 and some that act developmentally like they're 11 or 12 and the, the gossip and the hurting each other's feelings by saying stuff. I can just see that that's what our girl went through. That there was people she'd walk by, oh, it's her, you know, like, oh. What, you know, and really, when you look at Levitical law, we know that it was believed that if somebody um, was, you know, they were dirty, we know that, we said that, but it could have really meant like that she was an outcast from her family. Her, he her heavenly father, we know, called her daughter, but her earthly father probably disowned her. She wasn't having these relationships. People thought that when you had an illness, that it was God's way of punishing you. So she had that to have to contend with, that Oh, look at the girl. She's being punished, right? But Jesus, when he addresses her daughter, it's the assurance that, no, you're mine. You're mine. See, you're, you're mine. I'm calling you daughter. You're mine. She might not have had anyone to protect her, right? That left her very vulnerable, not having friends, not having a, probably an earthly father to protect her. She was vulnerable in this male-driven society. But now she has Jesus who has called her his own. Our girl was completely restored. Her physical healing and now her new identity as a daughter of Jesus, she can resume some stuff now. She can have social interaction. She can go to synagogue. She can go to her groups. She can go to the market. She can handle money. She can buy food. She can get a job. She can get a man. She can have kids. I mean, this is all the possibilities are endless for her now. And there's more. Jesus then says to her, Go in peace. Now, when I look at that, and what is the significance of go in peace? The peace is the assurance that our girl now has salvation, right? She was healed physically. She was healed emotionally. Now go. You are a daughter of mine. You are saved. Go. When God heals, our entire lives should be changed. Should be. But we know we do have imperfect faith. But when God heals, our entire lives should be affected because faith should affect every aspect of our being. Every aspect of our being. Faith has the power to change our lives. And honestly, that's why this bracelet, I wanted to, everyone to have bracelets this morning because I wanted this reminder on my wrist that faith has the power to change our lives. So what do we learn from this? What, what do we learn, right? Faith is the key to being plugged in. Here, see how it all kind of comes together? Faith is the key to being plugged in to Jesus. We know that God rewards us as we come to him in complete faith in surrenderance. He responds to authentic faith even when it's imperfect. His attention is never divided for those who trust him. He's always zoned in on us. And when he heals, it is complete. Our girl with the bleeding issue, and this picture behind me just gives me chills because you can feel it when you look at it. We all have been in her situation, male, female, young, old, where we have felt like an outcast, where we've been ashamed, we've been abandoned, we've been desperate, we've had pains, we've had hurts, you name it, right? We've all had a situation that we have felt this desperation. God, 
if I'm gonna be in full transparency with you, I've had like a thousand of those in the past six months of my life. Um, I got up here last year and told you that the year ahead of me was gonna be hard. Well, I'm now standing here a year later and saying, yeah, it was, it was hard, but it was actually harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, and each year, in the beginning of the year, I pray, and my years are kinda, I always go by school years since I had kids. September, my word, I pray every year. And God gave me the word obedience. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that means, but I'm going to walk in obedience, God. And as the year kind of went on, I was like, no, this isn't it. You're changing my word. And the word came up as faith. And I was wrestling through that. And then Rob approaches me and says, okay, you're going to be preaching on faith. And I was like, okay, God, there, there. It was like that light bulb that went off. Faith, right? Faith that as I'm now a mom of adult children, what that looks like. I'm going to be honest with you, all you parents who've done it before me with adult children, it is so much harder than little kids. Amen. Parents of little kids, it's not hard. It might seem physically hard, but it's not hard. It gets so much harder. Faith that the, faith that the children that we have raised and we have prayed for and anointed their doors with oil and have spent sleepless nights, or some of us can stay awake, others sleep, but sleepless nights praying and crying out to God. Faith, shots fired. Faith, faith that my children that we have raised, that they are going to feel this when they go through life's turmoils, because they will, right? They have and they will continue to. That they will know that what we have impressed upon them, what we have prayed over them, that that faith becomes their own and that they can go in surrendrance to Jesus on their darkest day. That the faith that we gave them, it's not gonna call mommy and daddy and talk about it, but that they can walk in the confidence that their heavenly father loves them so much more than we do. And faith that the career that I have loved and done for 26 years that I have built this community with the last 12 is done hanging up my stethoscope and that God is moving me to where he's calling me right there's that faith piece again that he's calling me into a new position and he's going to use me even more than he did the past 12 years in this community of Mawa caring for the children here there's so many more I could tell you stories upon stories. But what's most important, what I have learned this year through my faith journey, and what I want everyone here, whether male or female, is that God's calling us to rely on him. That's it. Our imperfect faith, it's okay. But authentically, rely on him. Lay it all there. Let him walk with you through your faith journey. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have us all on a journey of faith. I ask you this morning for every woman, every man, every child in this building, online, people in our lives, that you will give us that deep, deep, intimate faith to trust you with our life. Father, thank you for that gift. Thank you for that ability that we, when we feel so hopeless that nothing is left, that we have you and you're all we need. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has been helpful for you to know Jesus and make him known, 
then check out our website for more sermons and other resources, theplantchurch.org.